Hello, First Baptist Church family. This is Matt Perkinson bringing you our lesson for the podcast this week, and I hope you're enjoying our study through the book of Ecclesiastes written by Solomon. As we get started, let's take a moment to remind ourselves of a few things related to this great book. You'll recall that the book of Ecclesiastes is classified as wisdom literature and is concerned with exhorting the people of God to fear the Lord and to despair of the endless pursuit of self-fulfillment and self-gratification, for it is obtainable and never satisfies. As you study this great book, it may seem that it's chalked full of the depravity of man and may appear to offer nothing but negativity with common phrases such as vanity of vanities, striving after the wind and the futility of sinful actions. Solomon provides us as the New Testament readers with quite a resume of his life choices and really, as Matthew Henry said, his apostasy. Bible scholars believe that Solomon wrote the Song of Songs as a young man, the Proverbs as a middle-aged man much in a much wiser king, and that he writes this book, Ecclesiastes, as an older man who's reflecting upon what he had learned as he searched for the meaning of life. As we continue our study in Ecclesiastes, there is a sense of hopelessness in this book because all is vain, as Solomon expresses it over 30 times in this book. However, remember that Solomon gives us his resume to exhort us to take refuge in God, to fear God, and to live in obedience to God alone, whose work endures forever. Now, as we turn our attention to today's text, the title of the lesson is, Where is the Balance? In chapter 7, we find ourselves in a much larger pericope in which Solomon provides wisdom for living under the sun. This section of teaching begins in verse 10 of chapter 6 and ends in verse 24 of chapter 7. But in giving wisdom for living under the sun, Solomon explains that it is possible to know and do what is good even in the face of vanity. If your Bible's not already open to Ecclesiastes, go ahead and turn to the seventh chapter as we focus on verses 11 through 22. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. The Bible says, Wisdom along with an inheritance is good and an advantage to those who see the sun. For wisdom is protection, just as money is protection. But the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the lives of its possessors. Consider the work of God, for who is able to straighten what he has bent? In the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other, so that man will not discover anything that will be after him. I have seen everything during my lifetime of futility. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his wickedness. Do not be excessively righteous, and do not be overly wise. Why should you ruin yourself? Do not be excessively wicked, and do not be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you grasp one thing and also not let go of the other. For the one who fears God comes forth with both of them. Wisdom strengthens a wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. Also, do not take seriously all words which are spoken, so that you will not hear your servant cursing you. For you also have realized that you likewise have many times cursed others. Let's go back and look at verses 11 through 14 where we see the value of wisdom. 
11 through 14 says again, wisdom along with an inheritance is good and an advantage to those who see the sun. For wisdom is protection just as money is protection. But the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the lives of its possessors. Consider the work of God for who is able to strengthen what he has been. In the day of prosperity, be happy, but in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other so that man will not discover anything that will be after him. First, we see that wisdom is a benefit. In verse 11, we see that wisdom employed over an inheritance is, is good and is an advantage or, th- or this benefit. An inheritance is a wonderful gift and when employed properly is a tremendous benefit to those who inherit such a gift. And verse 12 shows that there is protection that accompanies wisdom, much like money provides protection. Secondly, wisdom is a protection against the misfortunes of life. Wisdom is necessary for the managing of one's money. However, Solomon says that wisdom is more desirable than money because of what it says in verse 12, that wisdom preserves the lives of its possessors. We've seen where an inheritance has ruined a family, maybe created disunity and jealousy in a family, or a particular large sum was given to a family in which they stopped working, took lavish vacations, and soon squandered their inheritance. We've also seen good come from families who have used wisdom to manage an inheritance. You see, an inheritance is a good thing when used properly, but wisdom is more desirable. Solomon says that wisdom is a defense, far better better than money or an inheritance, as it, that being wisdom, leads to a content and a full life. You see, the value of money fluctuates in the market. It must be spent to live. Its ability to bring contentment wavers, and it disappears in hard times, while wisdom remains constant through it all. Therefore, how money is used ought to be confronted with and employed in wisdom in both times of feast and times of famine. We are instructed to value the protection of wisdom over the shifting sands of protection money seems to provide. So we've seen that wisdom is a benefit. Wisdom is a protection. And thirdly, wisdom observes the work of God. Let's read verses 13 through 14. Solomon says, Consider the work of God for who is able to straighten what he has bent. In the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other so that man will not discover anything that will be after him. Verse 13 is a recollection of a problem that Solomon stated in chapter 1, verse 15. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. Here, Solomon is pointing out God's sovereignty and omnipotence, his power, that he is in control of all things at all times, and nothing will be done that is against his perfect will. To gain a further grasp on the work of God, I encourage you to take some time and read the 40th chapter of Isaiah. This will give you a great account and idea of the greatness and work of God. So as we consider the nature and character of God, we find that every work of God is indeed wise, just, and good. 
In verse 14, Solomon pivots a little here and from here on discusses the importance of moderation in life, finding that balance. Solomon clarifies the sovereignty of God in economic terms of prosperity and adversity. When times are good, Solomon says to enjoy the prosperity. When times are bad and difficult, reflect, give thanks, and find joy knowing that this too is being caused or allowed by the hand of God. You see, we don't know whether tomorrow will bring prosperity or difficulty, but Solomon exhorts his audience to remember the nature and character of God, and by doing so, are reminded that he is in all and above all things, and the wise will find peace in that. Lamentations 3.38 says, Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? And in our recent study from Job, Job said in chapter 2, verse 10, Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? See, there is a balance here of accepting prosperity and accepting adversity that comes with a commitment to glorify God in both situations as we surrender to God's will. It doesn't mean that it comes with even a sliver of understanding, but the call and the charge is to remember the nature and character of God at all times. We can learn from the good. We can learn from the bad and difficult times. Through it all, God is teaching us something. And if I had to summarize these verses in one word at this point, it would be the word trust. Trust when life is good. Trust when adversity or difficulty comes. Trust. Life is not a blind fate. It is not a series of random events. God is sovereign over all, and he's able to turn difficulties, even our foolishness, our, our blind wanderings, into what produces good and can bring him glory. Let's read together verses 15 through 18 now. Solomon says, I have seen everything during my lifetime of futility. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his wickedness. Do not be excessively righteous, and do not be over overly wise. Why should you ruin yourself? Do not be excessively wicked, and do not be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you grasp one thing and also not let go of the other. For the one who fears God comes forth with both of them. Verse 15 has this idea that only the righteous automatically prosper and the wicked automatically suffer. And that is not true in this, this life. Now, in heaven, this will be the case where the, the righteous prosper and the wicked suffer. But it's not true as long as, as sin is in this world. There's, there's no denying this. And, and Solomon is exactly right that there is a righteous man who perishes and there is a wicked man who seems to prosper. And Christian television would have you believe um, that the, the righteous are to prosper all the time and that, that the wicked folks um, will suffer. And this is not... Uh, the teaching of scripture. And um, how do we explain this? That if there are Christians are that are around the world being murdered and imprisoned for serving Jesus, um, 
If they are Christians, they are righteous in the sight of the Lord, yet they are suffering and perishing, while their accusers seem to live what is a prosperous life. This is, this is a reality, and, and Solomon speaks, speaks to this very clearly. In verses 16 through 18, the reader is warned to be aware of extremes. Verse 16 um, says that to do not be excessively righteous and do not be overly wise. Why should you ruin yourself? Be aware and beware of being overly righteous. This is a, a call to guard against having to always be right or justified in one's cause in an argument or discussion because doing so proves to be destructive to you and you thereby alienate yourself to the people around you. Wisdom guards us against becoming a Pharisee. One of my favorite preachers is Alistair Begg, and I heard, heard him share a few examples of some exceedingly righteous views that has been shared with him. One righteous view was uh, a person, an individual in his church, refusing to seek medical help uh, for an ailment that they have or refusing to get the opinion of a medical doctor because their answer was, we trust God. God's the creator of my body. God knows my infirmity. So I am not going to seek medical advice, but just trust God to heal me on his own. Another example that he uh, was shared with a church member was a, a church member shared that they have rejected having a Christmas tree in their home because it is inspired by a pagan tradition, and therefore it's a violation of everything that the Bible teaches. So one will not find a Christmas tree in their home. Another family shared with him that they refuse to read books of fiction to their children. Only historical novels and only the Bible shall be read to their children. They reject fiction because it's story. It's not true. And Alistair talks about these things being examples of being overly righteous. You're seeking to be righteous, but it's being righteous for the wrong reasons. These, this righteousness is not revealed in the Bible. It is a pharisaical righteousness. It's the over-spiritualization of life, and it's being pushed so far it exceeds reality, and it does not honor God, and it alienates us from our Christian community and the accountability that we need and that our church family needs. So beware of this overt righteousness, self-righteousness. In the same way, verse 17, Solomon says, don't be excessively wicked. While sin is a part of life, and Solomon recognizes this, it is not a free pass to be wicked or to be a fool. Solomon recognizes the struggle with the presence of sin, but offers an incredible and clear warning to, invade, to avoid embracing it, and if you do, to know that you are ruined and destroyed by it. And what we see in verse 18 is, is really the crux of, of the tension or balance is that a proper placed fear of God, understanding who he is and the role that, that we as his creation have in serving him, the fear of God will guard against these things, will guard against self-righteousness, will guard against a love for evil and its pleasures and foolishness. 
The fear of God will replace these things with a correct understanding of righteousness and what is wicked. Solomon says to not remove one's hands from these extremes, thereby exhorting the reader to not forsake the understanding that the extremes are ruinous, uh, which is why a correctly placed fear of God keeps these in balance and at bay. In any decision you make or that I make, we must ask, will God approve? In our final section of Scripture 19 through 22, we see that wisdom makes one strong. Let's read together 19 through 22. Scripture says, Wisdom strengthens a wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. Also, do not take seriously all words which are spoken so that you will not hear your servant cursing you. For you also have realized that you likewise have many times cursed others. Solomon gives great attention to the effects of sin and also highlights the universality of sinfulness. There are two teachings within these, first, these four verses. First, we see here that wisdom strengthens a wise man. The wise man gains a true understanding of who he is, a sinner saved by the goodness of God and his righteousness, and then is empowered to be compassionate and merciful to others. Now for us, we, it's a recognition that we don't expect those around us to be perfect, for we ourselves are not perfect. Imagine with me, if you will, a person that, that you uh, aspire to emulate. Uh, maybe it's a, your favorite preacher, your favorite pastor, uh, someone who's mentoring you, a person that you look to and say, there is a, a hero of the faith, someone I aspire to be mature like. Even the best people that have come to mind at that moment are still sinners. Scripture says in 1 John 1.8 that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And so we need to be honest with ourselves that wherever we are on the timeline of, of sanctification, to remember the warning that Solomon gave us earlier, beware of self-righteousness. Beware of thinking too highly of yourself more than you ought to. We need to be realists here and recognize that we have sin in our lives, and we need to admit that. Secondly, in verses 20 and 21, Solomon exhorts his readers to don't take to heart what everyone says about you and, and realize that you too have done wrong to others. Be a dispenser of mercy. Don't keep detailed accounts of others' wrongdoings since you have much to be forgiven as well. The reader is instructed here to not return offensive, sinful exchanges with that person or others. And for us, we need to realize the grace and mercy that we've received from God in spite of our own sinfulness and our constant need for forgiveness. Then seek to be the reflection of the character of God in those dealings. In today's lesson that we've had, it has shown us the value of wisdom and how to balance wisdom in wealth, wisdom in how we, we view righteousness and wickedness and wisdom 
in our relationships. The word calls us to seek balance in life and learn what God is teaching us in all circumstances. So in closing, I encourage us to value wisdom, to see it as a benefit, a protection, and that employing wisdom involves remembering the character and nature of God. If you want to be a wise person, you have to know God, not just in salvation, but you must be a student of his word, memorizing it, meditating on it. Friends, God through his word will grow you in wisdom and you will learn how to apply that wisdom to everyday situations. But please don't buy a self-help book seeking to gain wisdom or insight on anything uh, and you just fill in the blank of any topic that you want to, to grow in before you read the Bible. Often we will re- read the advice of others before consulting the Word of God. And I've been countless, I've been guilty of this countless times. If we want to be wise, heed Solomon's call to consider the work of God. And the primary way we know the work of God is through His Word. So value wisdom, see its benefit, see it as a protection. And finally, live in balance in all things. Don't become a Pharisee. Remain humble, meek, and teachable. Don't cling too tightly to the things of this world. God is aware of your times of prosperity and times of adversity and famine. In all of it, learn through it and trust God in all circumstances. And the truth is, often we grow more in times of adversity than times of prosperity. In any decision you make, ask, will God approve? We must filter all of our thoughts, words, deeds, through the Word of God. And by doing so, we apply God's wisdom. Let's pray together and ask the Lord's help. Our Father, we thank you that you are a self-revealing God. You have revealed yourself and your majesty and your might and your power in all of creation. It truly does declare your glory. Not only have you revealed yourself in creation, but you revealed yourself through the word. You revealed yourself through the prophets. And Father, not only do we have the the written word of God that uh, you tell us about your character and your nature and your expectations for for mankind and our job in living in obedience to your commands. But also you've revealed the word that became flesh in Jesus Christ, the the perfect imprint of your nature. And that through Christ, we can be forgiven of our sin. And the, the relationship that we had with you that was severed because of our sinfulness can be restored based upon the righteousness of of Jesus Christ. And Father, we we confess that we did not arrive to that understanding on our own. It was revealed to us through your word. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you convicted us of our sin and of your righteousness and gave us the faith to believe and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And with that confession, You have given us a new heart and new mind. You've made us alive in Christ when once we were dead in trespasses and sins. So, Father, we thank you for your word and and how it does 
bring about wisdom in our lives. Help us to trust you. Help us, whether times of prosperity or times of adversity happen in our lives, help us to remember to trust you. Help us to to love your word all the more, more so than all the writings by the, the popular authors, by the bestsellers. May the primary word that we fill our, our spirits, our minds with, our souls with, be the word of God. May we love it. May we cherish it. May we love you by living in obedience to your commands. I pray for anyone listening who who is in a time of adversity. And Father, you would encourage their spirit by your word, that you would remind them that you are very present help in time of need, that even when we trust you, it does not mean that times of adversity will leave us, but that you are with us in it and that we would recall the character and nature of who you are and that we would seek to learn what it is you're teaching us in the time of adversity and in the time of prosperity for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.